Welcome everyone to episode six of the Strictly Untyped podcast. For the first time ever, I'm speaking to you from San Francisco, not being in the same room as Ramon, who's dialing in from London. And we want to talk about uh, Google I.O. and the aftermath. So Ramon, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, Passy. How how was the, the I.O. week last, last week? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, the organization itself was a bit of a mess. It was really difficult to attend any of the sessions, but uh, the venue itself was really lovely. It was outside. It was more of a festival vibe than a regular conference. Um, had to, had some good opportunities to talk to people, but uh, yeah, a lot of queues or rather lines over here were involved. So was the conference from Wednesday morning until Friday evening or, or Thursday yeah, evening? Friday uh, Friday afternoon was when Friday the afternoon. last session ended. So they had a, con a concert on Wednesday, uh, during Wednesday night, and on Thursday they had a bit of an after party. Was it a famous band or who played? During the um, oh shit, I don't even know how to pronounce them correctly. Charlie XCX something? Um, played I, don't, there? I don't know them. What, what kind of music <laughs> is it? Is it rock or just... Uh, well, I, I missed it. I missed it. Oh, uh, you missed it. I, okay. Yeah, but yeah, so apparently it was really good. Cool. So loads of news during the I.O. If you if you follow any of the typical uh, Apple-centric podcast, you will see that uh, it caused a bit of a commotion. Everything that uh, Google presented, uh, most of those podcasts were... Yeah, most of the topics they covered this week was uh, what Google presented and how everyone thinks that Apple is falling behind. But let's not focus on, on Apple this time or, you know, any any battle. Let's uh let's make I would sorry. Yeah, I would also say let's not focus too much on the announcements that were made yeah. that won't even make it into any of our hands before like fall or later this year. Yeah, I think um, I think the the best use we can do of uh, the fact that you were there is just talk about the developer specific things, how they affect the future of uh, Android more specifically, although some things also uh, affect uh, all the products. Uh, well, you know, everything Google does is a bit cross, cross. Yeah, product. there were only a few things I wanted to um, talk about that were mentioned by some of the other uh, news outlets and a bit misrepresented because, uh, especially if you talk to Apple people, they won't actually use the uh, Google products before. And one of them was um, about the announcement of Allo, the messaging app, which I in general don't really feel like we need to talk about it because it's another messenger and uh, no one has ever used it apart from the few people in Stockholm um, who have worked on it not even most of the Googlers they don't have a dog food or anything available it has been um, developed in Stockholm yeah I okay. saw someone on, on Twitter saying yeah this was this was my team really proud of it okay. um, so one thing I heard was a lot of people had <laughs> various opinions about the instant replies or whatever they call them, smart replies. I don't even know if they had a name for them inside the messenger. So they, they try to predict what you would reply based on machine learning and stuff. This is really similar clever. to what they are doing in uh, Inbox already, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I knew that you would know about this, but <laughs> most people don't seem to know about that feature in Inbox. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure if this is even going to work. We will have to wait until it's ready. No, actually, you don't. I mean, the um, Inbox doesn't do anything predictive based on the images that are included uh, in the email, which they uh, showed during the keynote. But the feature itself, trying to um, pick some common responses based on how you normally talk, is already available on Inbox. And personally, I think uh, it's pretty pretty amazing what they do there. Do yeah, you use it at all? I use it, I use it. And I send a snarky 
tweet the other day of uh, someone that sent an empty an empty email to my um, support email address for um, one of my apps and inbox I, I, w- I will link to the, the tweet but basically inbox suggested uh what was it was it what do you mean or <laughs> what was that or something like that <laughs> I, I loved it i loved it because it was exactly it was exactly what i was thinking of at the, at the moment so I should I should go through it because I, I recently had a case where I got one of those recruiter spam emails and I got um, they always give you three options and all of them were no to varying degrees of rudeness was no not interested no thanks thanks but <laughs> no thanks that, that's, <laughs> I get that one with uh, recruiter emails like thanks but no thanks oh yeah th- true I think I got the same thing but in general they try to personalize it based on how you normally respond and they learn from that. Well, obviously Google is pretty good at this. Yeah. So I don't know how you want to organize this, but I've done some homework. I didn't want to be uh, in the dark during this conversation, and I watched uh, I watched some of the talks available. Um, in, yeah, uh, I already YouTube. said you've probably seen more um, more in terms of actual sessions than I have. I I queued up for some of them, but didn't make it in. So basically, the only session I sessions I've attended were the keynote. The what's new in Android because both of them were in the massive uh, amphitheater. But <laughs> apart from that, I was basically attending the hallway track and talking to other developers. Yeah, was the what's new on Android right after the main keynote? Um, I think there was a gap in between, but uh, yeah, it was pretty early on Monday. I, I think. Okay, so if you're happy with this, we can. I've, I took some notes of things that I thought it would be interesting to talk about, and. If during, uh, I can bring some of those up, and then you can, you know, if you saw any sure, interest and stuff. Uh, okay, but uh, I'm going to start and ask you, what was your favorite announcement? My favorite announcement. Um, I'm excited about the Google Home, to be honest. Um, oh, interesting. Were, were you referring about developer developer specific things or? Uh, well, no, in general. In yeah, general. I like. You know, I was thinking of. Uh, I would like to try. Uh, I was thinking that I would like to give um, the Amazon Echo a try, but now I think that Google now it will do things much better, and Amazon yeah. is usually quite bad at um, working out of the box in in Europe. So I think I'm I'm pretty sure Google will 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 do a good job. Yeah, it's it's not even available yet over there. I no. actually had a chance now to to try one here, and uh, yeah, my first impression was that well, it's um basically a voice-based command line interface. You have yeah. a bunch of commands you can learn and it's probably pretty good at recognizing those. So in this case, it wasn't a noisy more and picked them up pretty well. Um, that works well, but um, there's just no subtlety in there. So you can ask, what is the weather going to be like tomorrow or something like this? And it will tell you the weather forecast, but you can't ask it something like, will it rain today? It will still, well, you can ask it, but it will give you the exact same answer. So it's just a bunch of different ways to get to the same answer. Um, just not the the kind of nuanced answers you get from Google now, and I presume from Siri as well. But it's yeah. like, no, it's not going to rain if you ask particularly for yeah. for that. So, what was your favorite then? Um, one more thing about the home before before I answer this, uh, because there was another inaccuracy uh, I saw in in other people's coverage on this. So, some people complained that. Uh, 
there was a video and there was a family sitting around using this home thing and I think the child asks to see something on the TV, like a NASA video or something. Oh yeah, and, and the TV the turned on and the Chrome Chromecast was ready and... Yeah, exactly. And then people, ha ha ha, this will never work. They would have to uh, switch on the TV before. No, no, no this is I something know, called CEC. CEC. You know about yeah. this as well. Yeah. Uh, an HDMI standard. And this is not something we even have to wait for. This already works. If you have a Chromecast in your, in your home and you've got your... Um, TV on standby, so it can't be completely switched off for that reason. And you use your phone to cast something onto the TV, it will just turn on, switch to the right HDMI port, and it will work. So that's definitely not anything magical. This is already reality. Yeah, I don't. I don't to be honest, I don't know why CEC is so much so hated. Everyone seems to hate it. It works flawlessly for me. It's fantastic. Uh, I use it with my Raspberry Pi uh, every day. I'm with the PlayStation 4 as well. Never had a problem. So maybe I'm lucky. Yeah, I I always find it a bit surprising when, when it... Well, no, it, it works for me, but I, I still don't really think about it. Uh, even with the PlayStation, you can actually navigate the menu with a t TV remote if CEC is enabled, and that feels like, whoa, this works? Yeah. Incredible that they managed to find a standard and actually implement this in so many different places that it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, but my favorite feature, so uh, the thing that surprised me the most and that I'm the most excited about is uh, the instant apps feature that they announced. And that means you can now tap on links in search results or on any web page. And instead of opening in the web page, it will open a native app, uh, but it doesn't even have to be installed on your phone, but it will then, uh, will then dynamically fetch it and launch it on your phone. Yeah, I'm really glad that's your pick, uh, your favorite pick. Because uh, that was my first question. I was going to ask you. I tried to find uh, documentation about this or some uh, reference on how it works. All I saw from the What's New on Android uh, What's New on Android presentation is that uh, it says instant apps, just a different built artifact. And then I found a page that says something that like it's not a brand new app. It's just a different way you b to build your app. Do you have any? Any insights or any any more not details on how it will work? How you will need mm -hmm. to build it? Or? Not really. Um, it's, it was pretty vague. There was no session about it until I completely missed that one. Um, so I, I would presume it's still in in the early stages. Um, yeah. So it seems like uh, there, that was actually a pretty long game that that Google was playing because you can see how a lot of the things that they've moved around on Android kind of led to this. For example, the new permission model is kind of required for this if you would first have to scroll through all the permissions that the app needs. But this will work from that. KitKat onwards. It will, but I kind of wonder if they will also retrofit the permission model for them in that case because they already need to have some sort of shell which will be part of the Play services to launch it. So I could imagine that at least for the instant... Uh, launch part, they will actually have runtime permissions. And then once you install it, uh, it will switch, fall back to the regular permission model. But that is uh, just just a random prediction. I don't know if that is actually going to work. But yeah, this is uh, the most exciting part about this. If this was only available on Android N, I, I'm not sure what the adoption would be like. It will still require quite a bit of engineering effort to make it work for most apps, um, no matter what. And yeah, but with availability on what was it um android 4.1 api level 16 plus it's going to be amazing is it 16 plus is it 4.4 i think uh. um i looked it up before um it's available from 4.1 uh, 4.1 onwards 
Okay. So that's, um, I think for most people, that will be all the apps that they already support. Yeah. API level 16 is pretty much considered a conservative lower end of um, devices to support. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the way it will work is you won't require, uh, you won't be, you won't need to create an entirely new app or artifact for this, but only set something in your manifest. <clears throat> so basically, define different entry points. And well, according this to correctly, the, according oh yeah, to the presentation, ahead. it will be a different build artifact. Yes. Yes. But um, not in not in the way that you will, ha will have to create an entirely new app. So uh, it will be something you specify probably in your Gradle file, in your uh, in your build file in some okay. way, and in your manifest. And um, if I got this right, you will be able to have multiple uh, instant apps for your one main app. So you will have different entry points. So they were, uh, they were showcasing uh, BuzzFeed video for this. And I guess you could imagine that uh, you would have like the video view as one of the um, entry points there, but maybe also like an overview page and those could be completely different apps mm -hmm. in that yeah. case. I can uh, I I see here like one of the few cases where activities being so activities and intent being uh, such a disconnected thing in you know from other parts of the app being an advantage here. I could see easily see how to decompose how easy it would be to decompose apps to be able to be launched yeah. uh, activity parts of the apps to be launched separately and individually so yeah that's an yeah absolutely so something because um you correctly pointed out you will need separate build artifacts that can be downloaded and the reason is that you don't want to fetch uh the entire tie app to the device which can in, in some cases be like 50 megabytes but only want to have the small part of the app that is actually required to launch it and uh because of that you will you will need to re-architect your app a bit. And I'm quite excited about this because this is now a good opportunity. You actually can go to your PM and request to refactor your app in a in a major way. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Um, <laughs> um well but but it has some tangible tangible benefits for, for the end user then. Yeah. So by creating modular code that is uh that only really encompasses um the feature set that, that you need for any particular feature. Um, yeah, you, you get the ability then to, to load it instantly and attach it to a link. So that, that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. Okay, any other thing you would like to add on instant apps? Yes, so uh, so far I could only find out that there are some limitations for the ins instant app. So for example, can't use background services, no um, notifications or access to the unique device identifiers. Uh, well, pretty reasonable, what you would expect, but it's good to see that they have already thought about this kind of stuff. Okay. Okay, moving on. I think the second flashiest uh, feature of Android N is multi-window. I don't know if you agree, but it seemed to me like that was the case. And I tweeted about this early earlier on today um, that I quite like the way um, Google has implemented it compared to how Apple implemented it for iOS. So um, for you, for those of you that don't know the details, uh, multi-window is the ability to run two apps side by side or top and bottom. It will work on phones on Android as well. Uh, you get this for free unless your app crashes on rotation or <laughs> on configuration change. And because it uses the same mechanism, it'll basically uh, make the app believe that the, conf the, the screen size is changing. And together with that, um, 
so anyway, uh, most most apps will work like that uh, out of the box. There there are uh, abilities to opt out for this if you don't want your app to to run in this mode. And then finally, Google also will provide from the get go uh, APIs to drag and drop items from apps running uh, together with another one. So if you want, do you have an image in Instagram? Uh, you could, for example, drag it and tweet it or paste it to your blog or or things like that. Uh, same for copy and paste. And there will be also security security uh, API. So you know, uh, passwords and things like that cannot be extracted or copied or uh, similar. What do you think of this uh, of this feature? Like, uh, like, sorry, j just to finish. Uh, like I said, uh, compared to the implementation of iOS, uh, most apps had to be rearchitected. Most iOS apps still don't support like flexible widths and screen sizes. Uh, this is achieved uh, via auto layout, which I think is not uh, fully adopted or widely adopted yet. Uh, hopefully, it'll be in the near future. Uh, so the case is most apps currently don't support it and also Apple didn't include APIs to, to drag and drop in between apps that are currently um, running concurrently side by side. So yeah, Pasi, what are your thoughts on, on this feature? It seems like on Android we've been paying forward to to get some other stuff <laughs> yeah, for, for, for a long time. So the convoluted... Uh, Activity lifecycle, for example, now it's paying arguably a bit over over engineered for for most simple applications, but it makes a lot of sense in this in this case. So, for example, the unpause and unresume methods are rarely relevant for for most applications. Um, they they kind of indicate when an app is uh, no, when a screen is visible, but not uh, yeah in interactable directly with the user. And basically, the only real mo um, use case that this had was when when a dialogue was sitting on top of them, so partially uh, obstructing yep. the activity, the current one. But now it makes a lot of sense because um, you mean when the activity window. was paused by no stop, but not stopped, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So this where where this could have happened, and now this can happen a lot because whenever you switch to the other screen, um, this will happen. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm also sure this is going to break in, in a lot of cases. For example, uh, I could imagine that a lot of apps will accidentally lose some state when you move, yeah. um, when you change the window sizes, for example, or just tap to, to a different one because they implement the life cycle slightly wrong. Um, yeah, the, the good thing is, I think for most layouts, it should basically work, um, even on phones, because if you've ever designed for one of the lower end phones, um, they will probably have about the screen size that you have when you um, split the Nexus 6P in, in two. Yeah. And I could see myself using this. So sometimes you, when you read an article and you want to take some notes, having a Google Keep open on one half of the screen and scrolling on the other side, yeah. uh, there's so much screen real estate on one of the bigger phablets that are available now. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a try. And I didn't even expect it to be available on phones, but that will also increase the adoption dramatically because Android tablets, as much as we would like them to be a thing, they just aren't. Well, there are, there are many Android tablets out there. People buy them. They just don't use them for, for apps. They use them as to you know, enter entertain, keeps the kids entertained and that kind of stuff. So oh, most of God, them I just play games yeah. full screen or uh, videos full screen. Um, 
but not yeah not that's true as, as long as you have an application that takes control over the full device you can actually have a decent experience but oh my god i tried one of those um kindle fire tablets it is so bad it's it's I, I tried it for maybe 45 seconds and I was ready to smash that thing. You mean Amazon's implementation of Amazon's fork of Android? or Well, or I the, don't really know what device it was. Itself? I, I just tried to use the launcher and it just wouldn't react and fling left to right and was completely unresponsive. And then a bunch of activities stacked on top of each other telling me that something I, I tried to do wasn't available in the demo mode. It was infuriating, really. I, I can't imagine spending... Even even two hundred dollars on something like yeah. this, it's just rubbish. If I got one of those, I would just flash them with Cyanogen mod or something like that directly because. Yeah, something about the iOS um, thing I noticed. I wasn't in, in the new Apple sto store here in San Francisco and was playing around with the nine point seven inch iPad Pro. Um, even there, if you try to resize uh, an application while it's running, it doesn't actually do this dynamically, but you just see yeah. um, the splash screen. Yeah, uh, coming up again, and then basically, well, what's it? Is it is it relaunching the application or relaunching no, it's, the it's activity not. It, uh, the app con controller something? It, it calls a few similar to when you rotate the device. It it gives you a few callbacks, and uh, I think it recreates the view. But um, it's been a while since I last looked at those APIs. But yeah, you've got it's basically changing, recreating the view. Okay. Well, but one recommendation I can definitely make to you, to everyone who develops Android applications, test this early because I'm pretty sure there will be many, many new ways uh, to, to crash your app and you will get a lot of one-star reviews once uh, Android N is available. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next I wanted to talk about is constraint layout. Uh, this is going to work on a gingerbread, that's uh, Android 2.3 onwards. And... I think it's a very welcome addition to to the family of a very rich family of layouts that Android has always provided. Right, um, it resembles relative layout in a way. I guess relative layout wasn't, uh, you know, creating constraints under the hood. Do you have any insight on how relative layout used to work compared to to this constraint layout, or is this? Like so I think the way they try to sell it to developers was that the constraint layout was would fla flatten a lot of layouts that would normally require oh. nested view hierarchies and those are always ex expensive and well relative layout always does two measure passes which can be quite expensive yeah uh so it's generally a good practice to avoid having a relative layout really high up in your view hierarchy because that um multiplies if you have uh, another relative layer than further down in your view hierarchy so it's it's tricky to do it right um well to be honest i'm, I'm, I'm skeptical the the demos that they show you are always for really really basic layouts and uh the editor looks really nice and it's kind of flashy and also pretty pretty slow i love <laughs> interestingly. the i really love the animations of the auto-created constraints how it does the circle just um I, I just noticed some for some reason uh, someone got into the room here. I think I need to find another room. Sorry, mate. Uh, someone's knocking on the door here. Okay. I'm um, sorry for the interruption. Uh, I had to change rooms real quick. Uh, we were talking about constraint layouts. Yep. Our last thing I told you was that I quite liked uh, the the animation that Android Studio 
place when when it's going to auto create a constraint as a, like a ex spinner exactly that was one of the flashy. things that that struck me as looking really nice for for a demo because you can follow it really easily but if i wanted to use it and would have to wait for i don't know how long that animation was like it felt yeah. like two seconds i get really yeah. frustrated quickly um well they said they said that that was work in progress anyway so pascal i need to ask you are you is the reason you're skeptical that this is very similar to ios auto layout the truth. well kind of kind of and yeah that's true because i saw a bunch of snarky tweets uh, on the twitters about this uh, was like well, now they've copied the worst feature of of uh, iOS layouts, and I'm not sure what 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 is your perception of of this feature. I think I really like auto layout, and I'm glad this is added to Android. It's just another yet another option. Most of the times you will use for for the for the use cases where linear layout is more relevant, you will use that. The same same way on iOS, you have a stack view which is very similar to a linear layout. So it's I mean, in, in in iOS, auto layout is what encompasses encompasses every everything layout wise. Uh, on Android, is yet another another tool for your belt. So um, I think it's a welcome addition. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to playing around with it. Even though I, whenever I can, try to steer clear of UI features because it always gets messy. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, if if it can actually help you improve performance and works well with rotations and different device sizes why not yeah okay uh moving on once again uh, there's something i saw in the during well what's new on android and is uh that caught my eye is called quick settings is pretty much the ability to create custom uh, settings for the quick uh quick settings panel that you can drag from from the top i think th this can be super useful for internet of things like they give this example but the the ability to turn all the lights off all the switches off at home just from uh from your quick settings menu is is great and going back to the ios comparison i think this is something has been requested for a long time and hopefully apple will will add it as well on on the con um, control panel um so yeah, do you, did you do, do you like this feature um, well, it was something that was part of a lot of custom ROMs for ages. I think yeah. Cyanogen has had this for yeah. a long yeah, time, even with the custom API. <laughs> I kind of wonder how, how close they were uh, yeah. with the actual API design. Um, well, I, I feel like most of the things you could have already built with uh, widgets on the home screen. That is another nice way to add functionality that, that should be yeah. quickly accessible on Android. But yeah, in general, um, there were definitely a few things I would have liked to have in the menu bar, which I when it w I was always kind of reliant on Google to add them, like yeah. like the flashlight, for example, that is one of those things. I don't know when we actually got this uh, in AOSP, but I think it was maybe Android five, and that was always yeah. something you want to have available as quickly as possible. Maybe even without um, unlocking your phone, and for that for yeah. that kind of stuff, it's super useful. Yeah. Okay. So following up on that uh, that menu that you dragged from the top notifications uh there are some new additions to notifications is there anything remarkable that uh, that you would say um i don't think so uh i think it's just um the the usual notification redesign that you get every <laughs> with every other release <laughs> yeah yeah i thought I th uh, they mentioned that now you can quick reply from notifications that it was available on android wear before i would have sworn that this was available on android wasn't it before 
So the way it was available before is that they would launch a transparent activity and have a reply box, but that okay. would fill up your entire screen. Um, if I remember this correctly from iOS, there was a way to directly reply within the notification center, wasn't there? There is, yeah. yeah. Okay. And this is what the Apple Watch uses to, you know, when you reply from the Apple Watch, it's actually just using the built-in reply mechanism right. for the notifications. Yeah, so I've never implemented this, so sorry if this is inaccurate, but I think there's like a, a blessed way to, to use those quick replies, but it wasn't particularly well integrated so you would just see a completely new screen on your on your phone um, you would leave the notification and then it would have to reply but yeah it definitely works with um, with a watch as well so for whatsapp for example uh, you can just hit the reply button then you can either dictate a message or yeah. draw an emoji or all the other actions that are available there i think that's that's super useful Okay, next, new accessibility features. Now uh, Android has, uh, they have, it's got the possibility to change the DPI, basically the size of everything on screen. What can you tell us about it? Uh, not much, uh, haven't been to any of the talks there because again, cues. Um, but yeah, this is something I'm, I'm quite excited about because uh, for example, my mom uses the font size increase and it breaks so many app, apps, it's just yeah. painful to watch. But on the other hand, I can totally understand developers. It's so difficult to test for. I mean, who has yeah. the time to go through that through that entire application with, I think, three or four different font size levels? Um, the DPI changes mean it's basically the same evolution that um, most web browsers went through. In the beginning, you could only change the font size and break all the layouts. And then at some point, they changed to zooming the entire page um, yeah. like proportionally. And this happens now on the device, and uh, it should work pretty well for most for most devices because it's just basically another resolution you have to support and density yeah. level. So this basically will make the app believe that it's running a different DPI from what is native on the phone. So Precisely. I think, yeah, I think uh, the specifics is that they will allow to reduce to point, uh, 0 0.85 times the DPI to up to 1.45x. Um, so that will give a, a good range. Yeah, and most apps should just work way better this way than by just increasing the font sizes. And also, uh, if you just increase the font sizes, all the icons will remain the same and it's it's just not the best experience. Yeah, cool. All right, next in my list, Project Svelte. Uh, I thought this was pretty clever and pretty dumb at the same time. So <laughs> Project, <laughs> the example they gave, uh, were quite funny. Um, one of them was uh, the wh what do you call those? I, I always forget the name. Uh, these notifications, like system-wide notification broadcast, broadcast? intent. What, what um, was it? Oh God, um, yeah, I, I don't know what what the right uh, terminology is. Anyway, but. but there are some things like whenever the uh, Wi-Fi goes down or you lose signal, uh, 4G signal, yeah. or there's a new picture or a new video, the system. Uh, sends this broadcast that all the apps can listen to and apparently this was killing a lot of battery not just well this is not just a theoretical problem or something that only affected users of lower end devices this is a real thing and it's incredibly annoying if you're for example using your phone on on a metro or something here in san francisco this is particularly noticeable so i kind of i'm surprised because uh a lot of developers are here. If you take the BART, for example, the, the, the signal will, will drop occasionally and then come back to you. And whenever this happens, an implicit broadcast is sent that uh, tells you your connectivity action has happened. So uh, yep. 
going from no connectivity to yay connectivity. And a lot of apps react to this, which means they have to be loaded. Sometimes they're cached. Sometimes they need to be started from scratch. And no matter what you do on your device, even if you just try to read something on a, on a text page, it, it will lag like crazy and obviously yeah. drain your battery at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so I think um, this is a nice addition. They, they've banned, they've ban uh, some of those uh, broadcast messages and they added this job scheduler. The job uh, scheduler system. has been around since 4.0 and they've backported that okay. through the support libra library um, and also pushing this a lot. So <laughs> basically no Android optimization talk uh, ever, ever was made uh, since 5.0 without mentioning job, job scheduler. So this is a way where you can just um, <clears throat> say, I want to perform this, this kind of task when this happens and then the job scheduler finds the right time for, for doing this. So instead of just saying, Whenever I get a connection, exactly at that moment, I want to get uh, a signal. I will try to even this out and uh, only use one app at a time and, and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I've got here is that Google has once again changed the runtime. Now they have uh, three modes. Uh, did you pay attention to that? What can you, what can you I wish, I wish. So I, I feel like we should probably delay the in-depth um, conversation about this until yeah. I've, I've managed to catch up on this. There are a lot of interesting things and I really wanted to go to that talk, but uh, I keyed one yeah. hour in advance and still didn't oh, make man. it into the venue because they pff, decided to host that one in an incredibly small tent that could only fit, I think, 200 people or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I think we can we can delay that conversation because there are some uh, news about Swift's runtime as well. So we can yeah. once again put well, them I can give you the, the executive summary. So now yep. they've, they've abolished um, the old head of time compiler, which required you to optimize your applications yeah. with every upgrade, which uh, can be incredibly annoying if you have the security updates every month, yep. um, w which are a good thing. So don't get me wrong. Yep. But <clears throat> So this is gone now. They do something called profile-based jitting. So they collect a profile while the application runs and then uh, JIT the application, which isn't actually JITting the way I understand the terminology there, um, in the background again, when the application isn't running and your phone is charging or something. And so over time, it should perform better. And in addition to that, they also have a really quick uh, ahead of time compilation step. Yeah. So basically, from what I gathered on the, from the presentation, there are three modes, like interpreted, then uh, jet in, uh, just in time, and then they mentioned. Uh, I, my understanding is for the most uh, heavy parts of your app, they will do. They call it still ahead of time, but it's like only for like very very heavy heavy parts of your app. They will still um, pre-compile it, but like you said, based on profiling and in the background when you are not using the app. Yeah, even from so. just from a theoretical perspective, this is super fascinating because I don't think there's any Java runtime at the moment that does something like this, this hybrid model. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Java 8 will be fully supported on Android N with all the good and good things and bad things that comes with it. Uh, what's your what's your what's your feeling on Java Meh. 8? Meh. Uh, well, <laughs> Java 8 in general is definitely a good thing. It's uh, it comes with a bunch of good features. But the only thing we will be able to actually use um, is lambdas which is still yeah. uh, a nice addition to the language, but I, um, I I need to look into this, but it seems like they aren't particularly efficiently compiled down to bytecode, so they gener yeah. still generate a lot of 
anonymous, anonymous classes. classes, which could yeah. potentially be inline, but they don't do any of that magic, which might yeah. come later. But yeah, um, all of the new things like uh, streams, for example, and if I forget something interesting here as well, won't be supported until Android N. So pff, this is years from now that we can expect yeah. actually using this. Yeah, that, all that is not back back uh, backported or backwards compatible. Yeah. Uh, it's the same for is default and static interface yes, methods. Yes, exactly. Is that yeah. Sorry. That ahead. is that is the thing I forgot. Um, uh, this is also something that won't be available for any of the earlier versions. And that's annoying. It, is that Java 8 only as well? It is, yeah. Okay, so the Lambdas is backwards compatible, right? Lambdas is the only real feature that, that will be backwards compatible, but even something yeah, like okay. um, methods inside interfaces won't be. I mean, you can still use Kotlin or some other language that will <laughs> correctly uh, <laughs> compile to you, even Java 6 bytecode. Yeah. Okay, so this is everything I had in the list, Pascal. So now feel free to tell us more um, yeah, I think you covered this pretty well. Um, this was most of the stuff I wanted to talk about. The only other thing that was interesting was um, <clears throat> there are some new security things coming to Android badly needed. For example, they are finally going to uh, keep the media, what's it called, the media server in its own SE Linux context, which should hopefully make it even harder, well, no, should make it harder to exploit. And this has been... The, the number one thing on on every list uh, on every Android security bulletin for the past couple months, um, I think possibly since they've started, every single month so far has had at least one remotely exploitable um, vulnerability in the media server. So everything they can do on the framework level to limit the damage there, the better. And then there are also some things interesting for developers. So they've started, I think, with Marshmallow to give you some features like they have on iOS saying this app should never use clear text um, communication. As long as you use HTTP, you will always have access to sockets and that will make it impossible to differentiate between encrypted and unencrypted traffic. But as long as you stick with the base framework methods, um, like HTTP connections, you can say I will always have encrypted traffic and uh, something that wasn't available before, you will also be able to say um, I want to use uh, encryption for everything with TLS and those pinned root certificates, except for these whitelisted domains where um, unencrypted traffic is okay. Yeah, this is similar to what Apple introduced uh, last year as well. This is obviously something you could have done before with your custom HTTP stack, but the easier they make it for developers, the better. Yep. So one thing that a lot of people on Twitter were wondering, was there any swag? No, there was no swag. There were, were some um, physical web beacons that were <laughs> given away. I was uh, talking to some of the web developers in the booth while they were starting the giveaway, and that led to the longest queue uh, during the entire I.O., which basically wrapped around the and the entire length of the, the festival space they had available. Just uh, I, I don't know. I think the value was maybe five bucks per beacon but it was the <laughs> only thing they the only physical thing they gave away apart from the starter pack they gave everyone including a t-shirt and some sunglasses yeah. and after the festival they sent everyone an email including a five five hundred dollars cloud voucher which expires 60 days after activation so also not particularly interesting for most people <laughs> oh no 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite glad they stopped giving stuff away um, because it attracted a lot of people that only attended the conference than to, to sell yeah, for the, the stuff yeah. afterwards. But to be honest, it could have softened the blow a bit this time <laughs> where the rest of the organization was yeah, a bit messy. Yeah. And are you are you happy overall that you attended? Are you planning to keep attending in the following years or...? To be honest, uh, I don't think I will try to get a ticket next year. Um, what I'd rather attend is the developer summit they normally have in November. Um, it's yep. more developer focused, so that they don't have any flashy keynotes or press attending. It's just uh, developer focused, uh, more in-depth talks and uh, access to developers. So I'd, I'd rather go there than attending another I.O. unless they change cool. the format again. <laughs> anyway, are you are you up to doing uh, a similar episode after WWDC next next month? Uh, well, you were perfectly prepared for this. I don't think I can compete with that, but yeah, totally. We we should definitely talk about W yeah WDC. Yeah, we should definitely watch some some of the sessions together. Unfortunately, I didn't get a ticket for the WWDC, so I will need to watch some of the sessions. Um, I'll, I'll try to watch them alive, and then we can have a similar episode where we discuss some of the innovations or on non-innovation non-innovations made made by apple or announced by apple perhaps we could convince our mutual friend javi to to attend because i i chatted to him and he actually got a ticket so oh yeah that'd be fantastic this is an open invitation for yeah. javi to to <laughs> to join us for that for that episode <laughs> so anyway pascal oh thanks a lot this has been strictly untyped episode six you can you can follow us at Strictly Untyped on Twitter. You can follow Pascal. Where can you? Where can people find you, Passy? They can find me on Twitter under at Passy. That's P-A-S-S-Y. And you can find me on Twitter at Monchote. M-O-N-C-H-O-T-E. Thanks very much for listening. Listening to us, and please rate us on iTunes or recommend us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. And we will see you next time. Bye. Okay. Um, okay. Is there anything? What time is it now? 10.52. Okay. Um, have you watched last night's Game of Thrones already? No, I know it leaked. And I've been oh, no, something spoilers. leaked? Oh, man, that's terrible. No, yeah. it, no, no, the, the episode leaked. Uh, and people oh. watched it before. Yeah. Oh, interesting. How did that happen? Yeah. I kind of wonder how... I have a, I, mean, I haven't seen it yet, but there's been spoilers all over the place. People saying it was crazy, it was uh, sick, and it was. Have you seen it? Yes, I. I no, the first time ever I watched it. Anything. Yeah, I, I won't spoil anything for you, so you don't have to insert a spoiler horn. But <laughs> I watched it for the first time, like in almost real time. So we watched it on HBO Go, which is on demand, and I don't know when they actually dropped the episode. I think it's around six p.m. Eastern time here. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing. So we watched it on a projector, three people, and yeah, there were a bunch of what the fucks uh, during that episode. It was a brilliant episode to watch with the <laughs> <and laughs> company. Yeah, it's uh, it, it felt like one of those penultimate episodes they normally have. You oh, know the I mean? ninth episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Normally the, the finale is just setting the scene for the next season, whereas the penultimate yeah. is the, the one where shit hits the fan. But uh, yeah, that was that was one of those. Um, nice. It was incredible. <laughs> yep, I'll, I'll I'll watch it and I'll let you know what I think tomorrow. All right, good. <laughs> so when are you flying back? 
Um, I'm flying back next Saturday and I'm really glad that I have another week because I feel like I finally got over the jet lag last Saturday yeah. and that was when my flight was originally scheduled. So that would have been the worst possible day to fly back. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you sound fantastic. I see you have a new mic. Thanks, Roman. I almost sound like <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, we're both using the same. Uh, yeah. What's it called? It's what? an uh, audio, audio technica. Yeah. ATR. 2100 yeah is the one that uh, mark Armand recommended is really good we'll we'll add a, a, a link in the show notes because yeah. i think it's worth it yeah it's it's, it's a really good travel mic i feel like be, yeah so i've got a um yeti is it a snow no it's not a snowball it's um yeti something else it's it's just massive mm-hmm. it's also really heavy and it picks up everything so i think there's yeah some sort of important meeting here pretty close to to me and I would have been really uncomfortable putting a microphone in the room next to it because yeah. <laughs> I don't know what would have been picked up by that. Yeah, the the room where I'm in has a really bad rattle from the aircon and it's not picking it up, so I'm, Amazing, I'm really yeah. glad. <laughs> anyway, uh, I will send you a link to the travel case I got for the mic. It's yes, I definitely need it. one. Yeah. All right, Pasi. Cool. Have a wonderful day and... Um, I'll catch up with you tomorrow, yeah? Thanks, man. You too.